Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of TeenCast. I am your host, Zaid, and uh, it's been a while. It's been a long while since we last said anything to each other, and I'm sorry about that, but um, a lot of things have happened for me in my personal life, in my mental state, and the world around us, and uh, I just never got around to it. But here I am, uh, and I'm going to talk about some stuff. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different, and it's going to be the start of a story, I think, and the start of a series. Right now, it's very, very, very easy to see that there's unrest in the world around us. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of issues, especially in the African-American community and within the United States. And... I just want to talk about uh, some experiences of teenagers because, well, that's what the show is all about. So I'm going to be telling a story today, and this story is my father's story, actually, but it was when he was a teenager, and it's related and very relevant to what's going on right now in the United States. Right now, we're going through a not even a phase, this is a long-standing issue that's finally coming to a head where we're addressing the systematic issues that the United States have has with the African-American race. Police brutality is just the beginning of it, and it's just the tip of the iceberg as the issues go even further down, but we can only take one step at a time, so I'm glad to see something being addressed and being made aware of to the masses. So, in relation to that, I'm going to be telling a story or two about uh, my father's and my uh, experiences with the police. Now, his story starts in 1989, quite a while ago, but as I said, this is a long-standing issue that has been in the United States for a very long time and has not been addressed. So... In 1989, there were two songs that are very relevant to right now and then. And I want to point out these two songs because they're going to be important in this story. The first one is Fight the Power by Public Enemy. And the second one is F the Police by NWA. Two incredibly empowering songs by African-American artists in the hip-hop genre, which is an African-American genre created by people speaking out about the issues that they had. Those two songs are incredibly relevant to this story and to modern day. So my, co- my father, he attended college near Virginia. And in his college, not even just in his college, just in the area, there was something called Greek Fest. And basically what that meant is all the sororities and fraternities and pretty much anyone would go to Virginia Beach, which is a massive beach in Virginia, and they would just have a weekend of partying. And they did this like every graduation, so usually the seniors were the ones going. So this is my father's senior year. Um, So he's telling me how... He has a group of friends that he's going with, and at the time, my dad was a slender man. He still is, 
I kind of take after him in the thin department, but <laughs> that's that's another thing entirely. He this is kind of relevant to the story, but um, the friends that he went along with were members of the football team. They were big men, like six six. One of his friends was a uh, five ten, but was like two hundred something pounds and very wide. So my my father is going to Virginia Beach for Greek Fest with um with a group of his friends. Now, an important thing to point out is that Greek Fest is always, always, always filled to the brim with African American people. The area, the fraternities, just they they go all out and so. My father went to a school that had a lot of African-Americans there. And so they all turned out and uh, went to Greek Fest. And another relevant aspect is that when people go, a lot of the time they don't have housing plans. Um, they, the, the hotels just aren't fit to have enough rooms for that. And so what people do is they just go with the intention of having someone there that they know that they can crash with or meeting someone over the weekend that they can hang out with. Uh, that's also very relevant. So my old my this this starts on the uh, the Thursday, the Thursday of Greek Fest, right before the Greek Fest Virginia Beach incident happened. But my dad is a little bit intoxicated, and he's with his friends who are also quite intoxicated, and they're in a hotel room with some of the people that they've met, and so. While my dad was telling me this story, he was talking about the, uh, the, the guy he was there with. His friends had gone upstairs for a bit, and so he was talking to this guy, and both of them were fairly tipsy. And if you don't know, Virginia, especially in 1989, was pretty racist. It still is to, to this day. Um, and so the guy that my, old, my dad was talking to was he didn't have some of the best opinions and so he was speaking his piece and that piece resulted in my father being very upset and doing something uh, he probably should not have but at the end of it the uh, <laughs> the guy who was talking to has a bump on his head essentially that's that's about it nothing crazy just a just a hit you know and so he says I'm going to call the police if you don't go out. And my dad's like, well, I'm going to be outside. If you want to call the police, go ahead. And so my dad proceeds to stand outside of the hotel waiting for the police as a bluff, like to call his bluff, basically, like saying, go ahead, call the police, see what happens. So the police are called and <laughs> they come to the front of the hotel and they're talking to my dad and so my dad's friends are still upstairs. They don't know my dad has left and they're occupied. So my dad's just interacting with the police on his own. And my dad described the, that there were two police officers. One of them was an older gentleman, very experienced. You can tell he's been in the police for quite a while. The other gentleman, not as old, not as experienced, He's fresh police meat, you know, fresh on the force. And so they're, they're talking to him, asking him what's happening, what happened. And my dad was saying, uh, nothing really happened. I didn't do anything, officer. And the officer was well, like, well, there's a bump on his head. 
that had to have come from somewhere. And so my dad continues denying that anything happened. And eventually the police officer asks to see his ID. And so at this point, my dad is still pretty tipsy. So he reaches into his pocket uh, to pull out his wallet that has his ID in it. And uh, he had been eating gum earlier. So the gum wrappers that were in his pocket fell out when he took out his wallet. And so my dad said he looked down at the gum wrappers and then he looked back up at the police officer and they met eyes as if to say, yeah, I I dropped the gum wrapper. And (laughs) at that point, he is then cuffed and arrested for both littering and public indecency while intoxicated. Yes, (laughs) he was arrested. Another important part of the story is that Greek Week is very hectic. A lot of things going on, a lot of different people. So the police are usually prepared for that and they start revving up and getting ready to like deal with a lot of stuff right before Greek Week. Not Greek Week, just Greek Fest, pardon. Greek Fest happens. So instead of taking my dad to the local jail um, and like post bail and stuff like that, they decide to take him to a jail an hour and 30 minutes away. My dad is carted in a police police car off to the jail an hour and 30 minutes away, and no one knows that he is gone yet. His friends don't know where he's went. And so my dad continues telling me this story, and he says, eventually he gets to the uh, he gets to the jail, and they they give him they give him a hard time. He's fingerprinted. He has like. Uh, his picture taken multiple times, stuff like that. And this is where the first aspect of what I want to talk about comes in. This issue with African Americans through by the police is longstanding, and it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Not even just police brutality. That's that's one of the that's the far end, and so much more happens. So this fact that he was both fingerprinted, the fact he was arrested. And the fact that he was taken to a jail an hour and 30 minutes away all show that the police already had something against him because of the color of his skin. No sane person anywhere should ever be handcuffed and taken to a jail an hour 30 minutes away because gum wrappers fell out of their pocket and they didn't pick it up. I understand My father was wrong. Obviously, something did happen. It wasn't severe at all, and it probably would have ended up with something like maybe a scolding or a warning by the police at maximum if he were white. But he wasn't. So instead, he's in a local jail an hour and 30 minutes away being fingerprinted and having mugshots taken. So after his information is processed he is taken to another room and my dad said the way the way jails are set up they're like very sturdy for good reason the walls are concrete anything heavy is bolted down so there's a chair in the room his holding cell um, and the chair is bolted down and my dad is still very tipsy and if you've ever consumed alcohol which If you're listening to this, I don't think you're legally allowed to. Your sense of balance 
isn't the best. That combined with the fact that he was handcuffed with foes off uh, his center of balance, center of mass even more, when he was pushed down onto the bench by the officer, he fell, he like impacted the sides with the back of his knees, and his head whipped back and slammed into the wall behind him. And when you have an impact like that, uh, his first his first reflex was to stand back up. And that's where the issue started. The police officer had told him to sit down when he pushed him onto the bench. By my father standing back up again, he was resisting arrest. My dad had some choice words for the officers. And sure, they weren't very kind, but when you're a trained police officer, I would think you have some thicker skin than to take some insults very poorly. And so what ensues is my dad being beat and kicked to the ground by multiple police officers. He told me that after he had stood up and said some not-so-nice words to the officers, he was pushed down again, but this time on the ground, where he was beat by, like, three or four officers. My, old, my dad couldn't, like, do anything, really, because, again, he's handcuffed, drunk, and on the ground, but he continued to... <laughs> say what was on his mind, insulting all of the police officers as they beat him. And I know there are a couple ways to think about this. One, why are you still talking? Which is what he was told by two black police officers who proceeded to watch him get beat. They told him, hey, you should probably shut your mouth. But my dad had some choice words for them too. And he was continued to get beat. It's a really interesting thing to think about, the fact that the police are that terrible, that two African-American police officers who are watching one of their kind get beat by other members of their job just sit idly by and let nothing happen. That's where the fundamental issue with all cops are bad comes from. It's not attacking the individual cop down the street who gives you a lollipop when you pass that by him on the weekends. It's the fact that these police officers remain silent and watch and contribute to a system that continually kills, harms, and actively profiles minorities throughout the country constantly. This was an issue in 1989 and it's still an issue now. So, my dad is bruised up quite badly, and he's put into a, another kind of holding cell with a bunch of other inmates. All of them were white, and they looked at him like he was the trash. Obviously, he wasn't in very good shape, but he was black, and that didn't help either. He told me the situation didn't get much better, mainly because his friends didn't know where he was. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because his other friend also got into an issue, but that's because he was at an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet where he discovered he had an allergy to crustaceans and shellfish. So my older brother, not my older brother, pardon, my dad, is in a jail nearly two hours away. One of his friends is at a hospital swollen because he ate food he was highly allergic to and his other friends just don't know where he is once they finally 
get together and everything works out, they decide to head home. I think when you are taken in and beaten by the police and one of your friends is sent to the hospital, it kind of kills the mood for a summer bash, and so they head home. But that's not really where the story ends. That weekend, one of the craziest things to ever happen in Virginia Beach took place, and that is the Greek Fest riot of 1989. Basically, what happens is it's nighttime and police are starting to, like, get people back inside, try to calm down the area. The issue is two incredibly big songs that came out during that time were being blasted by the people there. Those two songs being Fight the Power by Public Enemy and F the Police by NWA. So, as you can expect... The policemen didn't take too kindly to the words that were being said. And people were kind of feeling themselves. So as the police tried to get people to go back into the hotels that, as I said earlier, they didn't have rooms for, people began to rebel. There was pushing, there was shouting, there was arguing, there was beating, and what resulted was a massive riot. The riot continued through the night and resulted in looting and destruction of public property and private property. Virginia Beach actually had an issue afterwards for such a long time because of that one night. The expenses and damage was insane. And so eventually a couple of companies and different people donated and insurance kicked in. And after a while... The, uh, the area was cleaned up, but it still left the mark of, uh, of that night. Basically, my point is that this isn't a new issue. And although it may not affect all of you, it's important that you try to say something about it. Because an issue that has lasted for so long that we've tried to combat against for so long in many, many different ways, most of them very, very peaceful, seeing no results, means that there's something wrong. There's a bigger issue here that needs to be addressed. And who knows when that's going to happen. But my point is you need to uh, stay alert and stay awake and keep fighting for it because as long as we're trying our best, There's not much more we can do, you know? So that brings me to the second story. The second story is probably a lot less glamorous than the first one. Um, And it involves me. Yes, your friendly neighborhood podcast coach. Coach? No, host. Uh, Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Anyway, my older brother uh, was visiting us, um, me and my younger brother. And we live near D.C. Um, And so he decided to take us to one of his favorite spots in D.C. It's kind of like an overlook to a bridge. Well, kind of, sort of. I don't know what the name for it is, but the way I can describe it is that there's a dock, right? And the dock is sitting directly adjacent to this massive bridge. I don't know exactly which one it is because I'm not very good with location, geography, or direction, 
so I won't be able to tell you that, but I can tell you it's a very big bridge, and at night they have lights and stuff, multicolored lights go off, and it's very, very pretty. So my older brother takes me and my younger brother to go there, and we don't really want to do anything except talk and sit and look at the bridge. So we go there. Um, there are people in the tunnel close by next to us taking photos with a piece of steel wool like ignited and spinning around you know those type of long exposure shots or whatever so there are also people there sitting at the dock just talking hanging out an important piece uh to note about this is that there is no signing there's a broken chain attached to a single pole near the dock but it doesn't go across the length of the entrance it's just a little pole with a uh, with a chain attached to it there's no signs there's no nothing there are people already there so we decide to just sit down and look at the bridge and that's what we do so we're sitting there looking at it uh talking just for i don't know 20 20 or so minutes until two police officers come um come up and say like hey guys what are you doing here everybody is immediately very tense um, obviously, that's what happens when you're at night outside in D.C. and a police officer comes towards you. You get pretty tense. Um, and so there are different people of different backgrounds there, but we were the only black people. So the police officers uh, proceed to inform us that this is uh, government property and we are in fact trespassing, which is interesting considering that there is no sign or no indication whatsoever that nobody could be there so everybody else proceeds to get up and try to leave they give some other people a little bit of a hassle ask to see their ids but they're left and they go the people who were in the tunnel before us spinning around the uh, ignited wool are nowhere to be found with no issue by the police and my older brother he decides that it's a good idea to speak up, which it is a good idea to speak up. He asks the officers what the issue is, that he just wanted to come here with me and my younger brother to show us one of his favorite spots from when he was younger. And that even when he was back here as a kid, there was no signing or anything to show that people couldn't be here. So the police officer proceeds to give us a very hard time. My older brother gets a little upset, um, righteously so, that he's being held up by a police officer for sitting down and looking at a bridge, you know? More police officers come at this point. There's like four for no reason, I guess. People sitting and enjoying a view is a high-profile case when three of them are black. And the police officer threatens to take me and my older brother to jail. That's frightening for me and for my little brother, who's, I think he's 11 or 12 at the time. My little brother starts crying. He's crying his eyes out and very upset. I am very upset, but I'm trying to keep the tears back because I don't want my little brother or older brother to see me cry. That's not a good look. <laughs> so my older brother concedes, proceeds to talk to the officer trying to figure out why and the officer's being very aggressive and kind of jerky for absolutely no reason. And he talks about an event happening here like a year or two ago where someone was like beat up or something. And so that area is off limits, but 
no no one was alerted like there's no way that we could have known that something like that happened and they're still giving us a hassle so eventually uh we get to go and that is after my older brother's id is thoroughly looked at um the fact that his middle name is his son is kind of sort of criticized um arabic is spoken at some point but it's very little and it's not good arabic by the police officer i think he was trying to show the fact that he was a big shot uh, because maybe he's dealt with muslims in the past or something i have no idea the point is we're left unharmed at least physically my younger brother and i are very very upset i start crying at this point now that we're in the car and driving home i'm not uh I'm not too big of a man to admit that, but I'm crying too. And my older brother begins to tell me something that remembering now is a very important lesson. In America, unfortunately, we are looked down upon. Maybe not by everyone, but we're looked down upon by the people that matter, the people that have power, the people that can change things. And because of that, we will always be at the disadvantage, whether that's trying to hang out with your friends at Virginia Beach for a fun festival, or that's sitting at a bridge outlook with your older brother and younger brother having a talk that you haven't had in a very long time. Or, you know, you're just laying in your bed, pretty much anything. You're always at a disadvantage and people will not hesitate to use that power against you. The important thing is that you speak up for yourself and show that you will not be bullied easily because the more pushback they get, the harder it becomes for them to exert their power and try to bully you around because that's really all they're doing. Now, I know those stories are a little different and maybe a little unrelated and they're not anywhere near as drastic as some of the terrible abhorrent events that have happened in the past months in the past years in the past centuries of the u.s's history but they're personal and they happen to me and people i care about and they show that everyone is affected if you look at any black person there's a fair, fair chance that they have been hassled, looked at sideways, given a hard time just for being black. Does that make any sense to any of you? It really shouldn't. So all this is to say, it's a very long, drawn out, kind of goofy, whatever. My point is, if you're going to listen to anything I say today, I want to listen. I want you to listen to this. The first thing is black lives matter and you can't really argue against that because it's not that all lives matter right now it's the fact that black lives are hurting and we matter too the second thing is you should do everything you can really and i know most of us can't do much we're just teenagers but it's important to remember that every large scale movement has been dug deep and grassrooted by young adults who see that the future is changing we see that what's happening right now isn't the best and we want to change it 
So keep that energy. Keep that going on. Finally, I want to tell you, I know it's a rough time right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on for you, but keep at it. Keep chugging. You're a tough cookie, I know. And if you ever need help, do not, do not fear, do not worry, do not hesitate to reach out to someone you care about and ask them about it. Discussion is the gas that fuels change. And we're going to change things. So that has been it for this week's episode of TeenCast. And that has been it for the first episode of this teen story episode thing. I'll try to do it more. I'll try to find more stories to tell. But until then, stay active, stay safe, keep believing, and I love you.